You know, I didn't have a child until later in life. And at one point, my wife Amy and I, we didn't think that we would ever have children. But all that changed when I found myself dressed in hospital scrubs with the tiniest hand I'd ever seen wrapped around my finger. At that moment, something deep within me that I didn't know was there awakened a love I never knew existed. And at that moment, a new identity was actually born inside of me. You see, there in Valley View Hospital, where I had previously become a son, I became a dad. That identity, I had never known the weight of until that very moment. And at that very moment, because of the power of love, I would never, ever be the same. Love for my son, and it changed, it changed me. Uh, being a dad changed me. There in that room, I, I had yet to fully grasp what being a dad even meant. I had no idea the, the laughs and the tears and the joys and the fears that this tiny little human would, would cause me. He was a miraculous gift to my heart. And although my mind couldn't wrap itself around the whole thing, deep inside of me, my spirit awakened to a whole new reality. One that I would never live apart from beyond that day. One that I carry with me all the time. This love, beyond my comprehension, it, it consumed me in a way I wasn't prepared for. You see, this is, this is the difference, what I'm talking about. This is the difference between head knowledge and, and deep experiential knowledge. You don't, you don't reason yourself into the identity of being a dad. In fact, the love I have for my son isn't something that I even intellectually arrived at at all. The amount of sacrifice I would give for him isn't something that makes logical sense. Instead, being a dad is something that I only knew through close and personal experience. And that experiential knowledge goes far, far deeper than my logic or even my emotions. Today we're discussing this very thing, the difference between grasping something with, with your head or even your heart and knowing something deep in your spirit. You see, your head's where you think. Your heart or your soul, that's where you feel. That's the seat of your personality, your life. But, but your spirit, well, that's the truest and eternal part of you where God's Holy Spirit lives if you've come to receive Jesus. Head knowledge, that's simply information. Heart knowledge, that flows into inspiration. But spirit knowledge, that's the language of true transformation. Holding my son right there, it fundamentally changed something deep within me that my soul and my heart and my mind had no option but to follow. And this investigation into this deep spirit knowledge is where we pick up in the second half of Ephesians today. We're in Ephesians 3. We've been following Paul as he's writing Ephesians. And we're in the second half in verse 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14. Follow along if you want. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, Paul has been talking previously about the mystery of God that's been revealed. Remember that each of us, no matter our race or our gender or our origin or our past, can have access to God's divine offer because of the work of Jesus. And this is a new revelation Paul is opening up here. He's just told us that anyone can approach the throne of Jesus with confidence and with freedom. Then, because of all these amazing revelations, he transitions to a time of prayer for his audience. Because what Paul has done is he revealed a paradigm shift, colossal paradigm shift. 
a game changer, past redeeming, present restoring, and future remapping. Not only was this revelation, not only is my then changed, but my now is changed and my will be is changed. All because of this new revelation, this new mystery that Paul has, has showed us. The issue is not whether or not it's done in the heavenly places. The issue is whether we, we choose to live in this reality here in the earthly places. Like, will I live in this divine reality here on earth? That's the challenge. Can I get my heart and mind around this, this revelation, this mystery that Paul has revealed to us? Can I get this revelation, this, this grand mystery, deep into my heart, into my soul, into my spirit? And Paul, knowing that the size of the revelation, knowing that this mystery is so large, so vital, so transforming for those of us in Jesus, he stops right in the middle to pray for us. He reveals it and goes, oh, led by the Spirit, we need to pray that you can get this, that I can get this. Because he knows that we're going to need God's help if this is going to sink into us. He kneels. Now, now, Paul doesn't always kneel when he prays. Sometimes he stands in prayer. But for whatever reason, he's led by the Spirit to write that he kneels in prayer before this, the Father. And it, just an interesting tidbit, the, Ephesians read, the Ephesian readers who he's writing to, the Ephesians reading this, would have had a very emotional mental image of Paul kneeling in prayer. Like when he said, I kneel in prayer for you, they have a picture in mind. Their very last interaction with Paul in person Paul has told them that he would never see them again. And so in Acts 20, verse 36 to 38, it says, When Paul finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept and they embraced him and they kissed him. What grieved them most was when Paul said they would never see his face again. And then they walked him to his ship to see him off. So they've wept and they've grieved. They've seen a kneeling Paul in prayer and that moment was an important one to them, a seminal moment. And here Paul says, I kneel again, but not with you, for you. And, and the audience is bigger than just Ephesians. He's, he's kneeling in prayer for you and for me, for us. So, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Every family, every, every family in heaven and on earth this is a common theme throughout the Bible, heaven and earth. From, from the Old Testament to, to Revelation, David wrote about all God's going to do in heavens and earth. It's all through the prophet Daniel. Jjesus' final words to his disciples said that, uh, that he has all authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth. The Lord's prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, heaven and earth. And, and Revelation says um, that all the heavens and all the earth will praise God. So Paul is swimming in a reoccurring theme here throughout the Bible, that there's this connection between heaven and earth. And he kneels before God the Father, who is the spiritual father of every family in heaven every family on earth in Jesus. He's the father of those who are, who are here now. He's the father of those who've come before, and he's the father of those who will come after in Jesus. Paul's praying, and this, this, this epic, sweeping prayer that, like a net, gathers all of us through history into one people, all of us who've come to Jesus, and he prays this for all of us, the whole family. He prays this for you. So this is for you. I pray. He says, I pray, verse 16, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he would. Now, his glorious riches. The, the word here in the Greek means abundance, wealth, plentitude. God has an eternal resource at his disposal that, that never dries up, never fades, never gets tapped, never, it's, it's never gone. It's never diminished. 
And Paul's first request, his first prayer for us following this mystery, is that out of God's abundant divine resources, well, we could receive something, something important. Now, before you read ahead, in this chapter, Paul has just kind of like moved beside aside the veil of heaven. And he's given us this glimpse of this divine mystery that God has been preparing down through history that's, that's being made known right now. He says that even Old Testament prophets didn't know about this. And Paul says that angels are learning about it like they didn't even know. He's revealed this to us, but, but now we need this prayer to grasp it. So Paul, so if Paul were going to start by asking God for something, he revealed the mystery, and now he's going to ask God to give us something. What do you think you would ask to give us? Like, what do we need most? In light of this grand mystery, what do we need most? I mean, man, give us peace, right? We need lots of peace. Give us peace that surpasses understanding. Give us hope. Give us wisdom. Give us, give us favor when we face hardship. Give us miracles so we don't suffer. Based on what we've just learned, what do we need in us? Based on this epic revelation of the mystery and calling we've just received, like what would the Spirit lead Paul to pray for us? And typical Paul, he prays for something that he most often prays for. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being. With this new information, with this new calling, what the spirit had Paul write down that we need most is that God would strengthen us with power through the Holy Spirit in this inner being. He prays that we would be strengthened. It's the same word used when it referred to Jesus when he was just a boy in Luke 2. It says, the child, Jesus grew and became strong. He filled with wisdom and grace. But, but it's not talking about Jesus' his muscles here. It's a strength far beyond that. It's a strength far deeper than that. Paul's praying for this deep strengthening. This, this word power, this dynamis, we get dynamite. It's used over 120 times in the New Testament to refer to the power to heal, the power to perform miracles, the power to overcome, the power to persevere in suffering, the power of boldness in the face of threats. This, this power, that we would be strengthened by it. And where are we to be strengthened by it? It says in our inner being. Kind of a new term to many of us, maybe. Inner being, what would you think that would be? It's not our heart. It's not even your soul. It's not your mind. It's not your reasoning. It's below all those things. It, it's, it's your spirit. Where God first did his work of salvation for those of you in Christ. Paul uses this phrase a couple different times. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says this, we don't lose heart. He said, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet in our inner being, we are being renewed. See, our bodies get weak and they get old. Our, our heart over lifetime collects scars and injuries and our mind gets slower, but our spirit can be renewed daily. Why would, we, why would he pray that we are strengthened in our, our inner being? He says this in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Remember in the Old Testament, the temple that held God's presence was in one place and you would have to physically go there to be present. But now those of us in Jesus, we are the temple. Your spirit is the dwelling place for God's holy presence. So you can imagine with me, the stronger and more active God's spirit is within me, 
the more authority and permission God's presence has within me to be active, well, that strength would break through just my spirit into my soul, into my heart, into my mind. In other words, the stronger and more active God's presence is in your spirit, the more it influences, transforms, and empowers your soul. That's the seat of your personality. That's the, the seat of your emotions and, and your body from your mind to your physical body and your physical temptations. You see, oftentimes when we fight temptations, we, we face them, we, we try to fight them externally, like in our mind, which, which is a good place to set up a fire line against sin. But there's a power far deeper and stronger in the spirit of the believer that only needs to break through the soul into the body to radically transform that person. The greatest power within you is not your will. It's not your reasoning. It's not your feeling. It's in your inner being, the spirit where God's holy presence resides. And Paul prays that that place is strengthened. One of my all-time favorite books in the world is about this very concept. And I don't have time to do it justice today, this, this whole thing about the inner being. Um, but, but write this down. This is Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee, it's called The Release of the Spirit, also known as The Breaking of the Outer Man. It's a smaller book, but man, this is one of my all-time favorites, and it's about this very principle of the inner being breaking through and transforming your heart, your mind, and your soul. I would encourage you to get that and read it. Um, This was Paul's first prayer, that you'd be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, your spirit. His second prayer to, to the believer is this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. He starts once again at our identity, that that a person who's come to saving grace in Jesus is not just loved, um, but after salvation, you become rooted in love. You're planted in love. The Greek word here for established is the same word used elsewhere in the Bible as foundation. In other words, that your, your whole life would have a foundation, a firm foundation of love that would hold fast even when relational turmoil comes against it that your foundation would hold a foundation that your life is built on um, so that you have everything you do everything you say everything that comes out of you comes from this solid base of love and of course the word love here it's, it's agape which we've discussed a lot agape is the the big divine love the unconditional love that we'd be rooted and built on unconditional love i pray for you being rooted and established in love i pray that you may have power Paul, again, prays that we could have power. The first prayer was power. Now, again, he's praying for power. First, the power of our inner being, and now this other resource of power that we need in light of the mystery, the revelation. I pray that being rooted and established in love, you may have power. Power to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Man, what a verse here in 18. Such a rich verse. Paul prays that since we're rooted in Christ and in God's love, that we could grasp just how vast this love is. Grasp. This, this word means comprehend, but it, it goes beyond just comprehending. It means to, to take hold of, you know, grasp, but then to obtain and to make one's own. Like to, to grasp, obtain, and own. Paul is praying that out of the love we're rooted in from our salvation, would be empowered to understand, to grasp this love and make it our own. And this is important. (laughs) You see, 
He doesn't just want us to appreciate the love God has for us. Not just get our minds around it, not just get our hearts around it, but to, to, to grasp it, to obtain this, to, to make it our own. Because once you take something in that's been given to you and, and you make it your own, it becomes a part of you moving forward. It becomes a part of how you operate. You see, this is, this is taking, yes, Jesus loves me, and, and instead just having that song, that knowledge that, oh yeah, I know he loves me, and making it part of your spiritual DNA. Like it's, you're rooted in it, and everything from the roots is from that love. Everything growing in you is from that love. So that love God, love people. This is the only way that's possible. The map would look like this. Here's how the, here's how the, the order would look. God loved first. God first loved us before we knew him or we loved him. God loved, and then part of our vision, love God. By the Holy Spirit, we awaken to our love for God and choose Jesus in salvation. Then, love people. Rooted in this new love for God and from God, we are transformed in our spirit, and the love we have, the love we've received, breaks through for other people. And this is why love people is such a challenge for us. It's easy to say it's so difficult to live and do. Because I just, 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 just a little litmus test. There might be some politicians. There might be some people in the news. There might be some people that come to mind. There might be someone from your past. There might be people that come to your, to your heart, the emotions that you find completely unlovable. You flinch when you even think of them. They may even disgust you. Thinking of them is hard. I mean, let alone loving them. Yet, the Bible is absolutely crystal clear that we are to extend love to all people, even that person. This is proof that when your mind and heart and in your flesh are struggling to love a person, it, it must be from a spirit-strengthened, internal, divinely resourced place, far more powerful in your heart and mind that you love them from. When your inner being is empowered and strengthened and it releases that, that heavenly love, it flows from your spirit to your soul, to your heart, to your mind, to your actions. That, that from the truest core of you, that divine love breaks through, releases to the world around us. You see, loving people you, you cannot stand or whom you don't think deserve it. When, we, when it comes from our spirit, when we're strengthened in our inner being, when we grasp it in our inner self, then, then we can love those people who may not deserve it, who may disgust us. We can love all people. And we look to Jesus for our model of this. I mean, there he is. He's on the cross. He's wounded. He's bruised. He's bleeding. He's impaled. He's in excruciating pain. My mind, my heart, my flesh would have been enraged and screaming in hate towards those people who had tortured and are killing me while I'm innocent. But he looked out with love. While impaled on a torture device, he prayed for God to forgive them. You see, his spirit, his inner being was calling the shots. His, his inner being was breaking through his broken body. This is what we're called to do. Have that place deep within us be our resource. 
because we don't have enough in our own heart, in our own mind. We know this. So he says, I pray for you, being rooted and established in love, you may have the power to grasp just how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Paul tries to describe God's indescribable love. <laughs> he prays that we are empowered to grasp how, how wide and long and high and deep it is, this vast ocean of love. The breadth of it would leave us just standing in front of it, awestruck if we could see God's love for us clearly. It seems strange that Paul would pray, pray this for us. To me, it does anyway. I mean, he's praying, I pray that you would know how big God's love is for you. If I'm honest, it seems so 101, so elementary. Like, like give us something, give us something more solid. You just want me to know God's love? In the grand scale of things, shouldn't Paul be praying like for some advanced, like something bigger in light of the, the mystery and revelation? Here's the thing. Empowered by the Spirit, Paul knows that this is the place where humanity struggles daily. Our identity is connected to how much of God's love we actually grasp. Our identity is directly connected to how much of God's love we actually grasp, take hold of, obtain, and make our own. Oftentimes, we assume that God is disappointed by our lack of seeking him, right? Let's be honest. But we feel he's angry at our sin. We, we feel he's just weary of our broken promises, like oh, I've heard that before. We, we feel he's indifferent to our needs. We doubt his love, even though we parrot, parrot oh, I know he loves me. We might say that here. We might not feel that here. Because in our spirit, our inner being, we're not strengthened there. We don't believe it in the core of who we are. How's it going to break through to the rest of us? And this is where Paul's prayer steps in. Listen, don't just say it with your mouth. Oh, I know God loves me. Don't just think it with your mind. Don't just feel in your heart. In your inner being, from the truest part of who you are, the eternal part, where God's presence resides, from, may you grasp, may you obtain, may you fully comprehend and own just how loved you are. It's incredible to me that in light of all of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 that we've learned so far, Paul's prayer for us is that you would just know how much you're loved. It must be important to know just how much Jesus is, is pleased with you to know just how much, yes, you're forgiven, to know just how much he has good things in store for you, to know just how much he delights in you, to know how much he hurts with you, to know how much he has pursued you and is pursuing you now, to know that he longs for a personal, intimate relationship with you. When you grasp his love in your spirit, in your soul, in yourself, you will never see yourself or him or other people the same ever again. You won't walk in this constant spiritual insecurity wondering, is he happy with me? Is he disappointed with me? You'll walk in this, into his throne room with confidence and freedom, like Paul talked about last week. When you grasp how beloved you are, you will experience this deep resource of joy that no unhappiness, no external circumstance, no tragedy can touch because you know exactly where you stand in the divine order of things and you know how loved you are. When we grasp how much he loves us, we begin to see that we are the beloved 
and we return that love. If, Paul prayer, if Paul's prayer becomes true in my life, like if it settles down into my inner being, I am completely transformed. If Paul's prayer becomes true in your life, in your spirit, and you'll never be the same again. You'll never see yourself the same again. You won't see God the same. And as that love in your inner being takes, begins to, to, to move outwards, you'll never see other people the same. And you'll find yourself loving the unlovable because you're resourced with agape. He continues this sentence. He says, And that you would know that this love, and that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. Did you catch this? He says, That you would know what is unknowable. That you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. It doesn't seem to make sense in the natural, does it? This can only happen in the supernatural. This would be like me saying that uh, I pray that you would taste the untastable or, or hear the inaudible or see the invisible. To know the unknowable is what he asks. Yet, yet there's this mystery of Christ because of his spirit within us. We can know something deep in our, in our inner being that our mind, that our heart, that our soul cannot grasp, that our spirit knows. And from that inner being, that love, that, you, that knowledge that you come to know, it begins to permeate through every pore of your being so that others experience this love whenever they come into contact with you. Paul prays that you would know the unknowable. And the Greek really shines here in this, in this part. That you may know. The word here is gnosko. Knowledge that is only gathered through experience. Intimate personal experiential knowledge personal experiential knowledge that you would know that you would have intimate experiential knowledge of something that surpasses gnosis mental understanding that you would have deep intimate experiential knowledge of something that surpasses reasoning logic it's amazing to me that you would deeply and personally experience a love that your mind just can't even wrap itself around. Literally, that God's love, you would see it so clearly in your spirit that it would blow your mind. That's what he's praying here. The result of this prayer is the very thing he finishes the verse with, that you may be filled, with the, the, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That as you experience this, you are filled up all the fullness of God. And so when people come into contact with you, what do they receive? Well, you're filled to the measure with God. They receive that. This is the point of that story about me becoming a dad. Something struck me so deeply in my inner core, gnosko, experiential, intimate, personal, experiential knowledge of becoming a dad that it transformed how I see myself how I identify, I'm now a dad, how, how I see the world, how I operate on this earth. The experiential knowledge of, of having a son changed me in a way I can't even wrap my head around. And that's, that's this big compared to the vast ocean of God's love we're talking about. See, in that moment in that hospital, I, I, I know, Gnosko, experiential knowledge, I know what was previously unknowable. I knew in my spirit what was completely unfathomable by my mind. But Paul finishes this way. Now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. 
this is verse 20. I would encourage you to go just check this out and camp on it. This is mind-blowing again. God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. Like his power and his ability is beyond our wildest dreams. Of course, he's God, he's divine. But catch the sentence there with it. According to his power that's at work within us. His immeasurable power that we can't fathom, that we can't even imagine, is what is at work within us. Another translation puts it like this. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or even think. Through his power at work within you, God is able to accomplish infinitely more than you could ever ask in prayer, that you could ever even imagine is possible. You, me, us. In other words, the biggest prayer you've ever prayed didn't even make a blip on God's ability that he wants to work in and through you. This, was, this was what amazes me. God's able to accomplish these amazing things through his power that's at work within us. Not in spite of us, within us. Orchard, we truly are a conduit of God's powerful purposes to this word, this world. We're a conduit to be resourced in our spirit, to be filled with the full measure, and then have it work through us in ways that they go beyond what we could ever ask, we could ever even imagine. I mean, think of what you're facing right now in your life. Personally, the problems, the, the situations, what you're facing. Think of the issues we have in our local area. <laughs> think of the issues we have in our nation. God's power, activated and working through his people, can accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or even think possible. On personal issues, on, on area, regional issues, on national, on global, it's amazing to me. We're praying small prayers, aren't we? God's at work within us to change the world. That's his desire. Paul prays that we can have power. He prays that we have power to grasp God's love. He prays that we would experience God's love. And I believe the key word in this entire section is that Greek word, ginosko, to, to have a deep knowledge of something through personal experience, to intimately know something or someone. This word is, the, is a beacon to us in this verse. It, it calls us. Gnosko, it calls us, it calls you, it calls me to a new way of, of living. That we would begin to experience God more and more and know him in a new way, in an inner being way, a spirit way. Orchard, if, if, let's just say I walked up to you uh, one Sunday and I said, hey, I'd like to be better friends with you. Let, let's, let's get to know each other better. Deal? Okay. And then after that, Every Sunday, I would come up for a one-minute conversation and just get the quick, you know, like, hey, how you doing? Good. Kids? Whatever. And just get the information about your week and then say goodbye for a whole nother week. And then next Sunday, I'd have another just one minute, you know. If I did that, my words of, hey, let's be friends, wouldn't match my actions. A once-a-week pop-in, I mean, all that would do is gather information on who you are or what's, uh, what's going on in your life, just the conditions. But I, I wouldn't experientially know you. I might know more about you, but I wouldn't know you. You see, what, what I would need to actually be friends to know you, 
I would have to pursue it. I'd have to pursue you. Call, chat, text, set up a time, hang out. And that's, we have to spend time with you. We have to spend time together. That's how relationships grow. Only in spending time can you really enter Gnosko, gaining that ex- personal experiential knowledge. We would laugh together about the funny things going on in our lives. We would we'd cry together about the things that are tough and difficult in our lives and our losses. We would discuss how to overcome some hurdles. We would, we would encourage one another. We would hold each other accountable. And through that gnosko, that, that, that personal experiential knowledge, we would begin to form a deep friendship that would, that would transcend information of, well, what's your name and where are you from and tell me what you do for a job. That's information. But gnosko is personal experiential knowledge. And that's our, that, that's, that's our challenge this week. I want us to pursue gnosko. I want us to pursue that intimate knowledge of God. Don't leave here and just go um, pursue knowledge, information about God. Pursue friendship with God. Pursue relationship with God. I want you to go and experience him in worship and seek him personally. I want you to go, I want, this week I want you to experience him in conversational prayer. Instead of just the grocery list of needs, you, we constantly, and this, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I want this, and I'm sorry for this. Instead of just going through the list, I want you to have conversational prayer with God. I want you to cry. I want you to open up about your fears and hurts and frustrations. Like, talk out loud to him in a way you would talk to, like, your greatest friend. Celebrate and be grateful for the things he's done. Truly get to know your heavenly father. Gnosko, the experiential knowledge. Don't just know about him. Seek to know him. And as you gather this Gnosko, you begin to know the unknowable. Because in your inner being, you begin to find that knowledge. So that he may transform you. When that happens, he transforms you. He frees you. He empowers you. He gives you wisdom on, on things you're facing right now in your life. Where do I go? What's my purpose? What do I do with this person? What do I do in this situation? What do I do in my business? What do I do in pandemic? What do I do in the, what do I do? He wants to give you wisdom. Real, actual, walking wisdom on what to do next. He wants to work through you to accomplish things that are impossible on your own. Listen, Christianity has become a religion of gnosis, just information. But following Jesus is a relationship of gnosko, intimate relationship. So this week, pursue friendship with the one who loves you so much that his spirit wrote an entire book that's a love letter to you. And after Paul revealed the grand mystery, he just prayed, I pray that I pray you would know God's love. I pray you could grasp it. I pray that you would, you would experience that knowledge. That's what Paul prays. That's what Paul's led to write by the Spirit of God. And that's what we should pursue this week is gnosko. Experiential knowledge in a relationship with God, not more information. So as Paul prayed, so I pray for you. I pray for you this week. I pray, God Almighty, I pray in Jesus' name for everyone hearing this and seeing this. I pray that God would strengthen you by his spirit in your inner being. And I pray also that being rooted and established in love, that you may have the power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ for you. And that you would know this amazing love that surpasses knowledge. Gnosko. You know what? Right now, there in your living room, no matter who's around you, go ahead and say it. Gnosko. So it's pretty good. Let's, say, let's try it again. It was pretty good. Gnosko.
There you go. See, you're already a Greek scholar. Listen, may this week, may Gnosko be your new thermostat for spiritual growth. No more checking boxes. That's not the thermostat. That's not the barometer for how you're doing. It's experiential, personal relationship with God. That's our barometer. That's what we pursue. That's what this following Jesus thing is all about. This week, pursue friendship. Conversationally pray to your Father who loves you so much that when the mystery of God was revealed to mankind, the prayer for you was that you would just know how loved you are because it changes everything. Orchard, I love you, and I'm praying for you. This week, as you go forward and, and seek Gnosko, listen, if there's any questions or if you want to check us out, you can find us at theorchardlife.com. If you're new, you can connect with connect at theorchardlife.com. I love you. I'm praying for you. Love God and love people.